Check out the book by Cheryl Carter, Dimensions, Mysterious Triangles of the United States. The Earth's surface is endowed with mysterious triangle patterns that whisper of mystical energy and vibration. The ancients considered them doorways that would enable one to traverse time and move through dimensions. Available on Amazon. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, I want to welcome back to the show, Charlie Robinson. He is the author of the book, The Octopus of Global Control. He had a front row seat to the fraud and corruption in the mortgage industry during his 10-year career in Las Vegas real estate. And he credits John Perkins' book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, as the final piece of the puzzle that helped him to see how the American government operates. We're also joined by Corey Hughes. He's a former police officer who investigates everything from 9-11 and the JFK assassination to government psychological warfare and mind control campaigns. Gentlemen, welcome. How are y'all doing tonight? Good, Chris. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, I don't even know where to start tonight. It seems like uh, 2020, they just ramped up the uh, global control, fear, mind-controlled campaigns with a little dash of pandemic. And um, now, we, of course, we have the uh, bullshit election that, uh, that's going on. We have this ever-increasing censorship that we're dealing with that's completely destroying free speech, uh, increasing tensions with Iran. Um, and seemingly right on time, this coronavirus that may possibly be a manufactured bioweapon. Who knows? Um, but let's start with the first thing that I was talking about, the uh, bullshit election here. I personally don't think it makes one difference who is in the White House. Uh, the agendas that those behind the scenes are going to want pushed are going to be pushed. And I think it really doesn't matter. I think they're just a puppet. But... Let's get your thoughts. What are your thoughts on this whole election fiasco and the presidency in general? Oh, it's all 100% legit, just as, as we're told. Everything is fine. Nothing to see here. Just I, I'm 100% with you. There's no reason to get all bent out of shape about if Bernie Sanders just got screwed over in Iowa or or who's who's got this you know Joe Biden is at 29% none of it matters none of it who cares doesn't matter if you think the president is in charge then you are mistaken there are people above the president there are people in government that are technically above the president they're the permanent state that's the intelligence agencies that don't change when the presidents come and go democrats republicans they don't it doesn't matter to them they are above them they have the information. The bankers are above them. They have the money. The, the ruling families that control these banks are above them. They have access to all of this control. The presidents and prime ministers and senators, and all, this is all a gigantic distraction. It's political theater. It is, for, it is the equivalent of what the Romans would watch in the Colosseum. We're just all doing it around our TV sets and computer screens. None of it is, none of it matters. None of it is going to make a difference. It's just puppets saying the words that they're given. And I put a quote actually in my book, um, that there's a, um, 
there's a video you can actually find, which does a better job of illustrating this more so than, than my book, but uh, it's from 2003 and you've got the prime minister of Australia and you've got the prime minister of Canada and they are in the video shows them side by side. And it's a three days apart, um, but it's fairly close in time. And it was in the run up to the Iraq war and the two politicians were saying the exact same words, word for word. Their entire speech was not just similar, it was 100% identical. They're given the speech. We saw that was a slip up. That was something we weren't supposed to see. They're given the script. They read the script. They're actors. Literally, in our case of Ronald Reagan, an actor. Who better to play the role? So none of this is actually real in the sense that... that um, we spend a disproportionate amount of our effort uh, worrying about the president when he maybe only has this much control. And we spend almost none of our effort worrying about the other people that have the, re have the vast majority of the control. It's totally inverted and that's by design. So it's so that we are all hung up on whether Trump said this or, Oh, he just tonight, he just dissed Nancy Pelosi. He didn't shake her hand or anything. Ooh, burn. Who cares? <laughs> this is just for us to talk about and get all worked up. The real people are making a run around the back, looting the place, poisoning us. And we don't even know who they are, let alone what they're up to. So it's, I get worked up about the election, but only in the sense that I, I want to just shake the shit out of everybody and say like, wake up. None of this, you know, you're wasting your time worrying about this. It doesn't matter. These are selections. They're not elections. There's nothing real about it. And you're going to be disappointed with the president, no matter who they pick, whether it's the first woman president, whether it's, you know, uh, a socialist president, whatever. The agenda dictates what these people do. At some point, whatever their policies are, will get log jam and killed and not put through if, if it's something that the people above them don't want. Um, and that's just the way it is. And what's mind-boggling to me is the people in this community that are following the QAnon narrative that Trump is our savior and he's going he's gonna to get rid of the deep state and get all these uh, pedophile rings and, and turn everything around and, and we're going to be in a utopia because of Trump. I mean, that I don't understand. You know, if you're, if you're you know, trying to figure out what's going on behind the scenes and you consider yourself a part of this community, you would think that you would see behind that bullshit, you know? Yeah. I completely agree with everything that Charlie said. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of a one trick pony, you know, for me, the center of the universe was the Kennedy assassination. And that is when we lost our sovereignty to a foreign nation. Um, every president we've had since has been a puppet. And I don't really see that changing anytime soon. Definitely. Well, I don't even keep up with elections anymore. Like, to me, it's all a joke. I, I put it on TV and I look at how much energy and money gets spent on this theater. And uh, I, I just can't even process it. I, I, I ignore most of it these days because it really is completely irrelevant. The elections have no effect on the well-being of the average American. You know, they don't change anything. There's a great movie that came out in the 80s called Brewster's Million. And it had oh, yeah. Richard Pryor in it. And um, the premise of it was that he inherited $30 million from his old rich uncle who died. 
but there, the stipulation was that he had to spend all of it. And at the end, he couldn't have anything to show for it. Oh, and he had to spend $30 million in 30 days and have nothing to show for it. And what he learned in, in this movie, which was a comedy, um, was that it was surprisingly hard to spend $30 million and have nothing to show for it until he came up with the solution that the best way to throw your money away Oh, he had to buy things. He couldn't just give it away. That was the stipulation. He couldn't give it away and he couldn't just lose it in the street. He had to actually do something with it. So the best way he came up with for how to lose $30 million and have nothing to show for it was to run for political office <laughs> under the candidate candidacy of uh, vote for no one or something like that. Something like that. Right. And, and so anyway, so if he, if he spent $30 million in 30 days and didn't tell anyone about it and nobody figured it out, then he would get the real inheritance, which was $300 million. So he couldn't tell anyone why he was doing it. It's a hysterical movie. And, what, and I think about that every time I see a commercial for Mike Bloomberg. That guy must hate his money so much that he spent $100 million and he has absolutely dick to show for it. I mean, it is an embarrassment. But I think that when you make your money in media, uh, I know he made his money in, in stock uh, trading technology machines and things like that, but he also bought Bloomberg uh, Media and, and that puts out the Bloomberg magazine, has Bloomberg TV and all that stuff. I sometimes, I think that this $100 million that he's already spent and an additional $100 million that he plans to spend is just his form of like, uh, not necessarily money laundering, but just money recycling just putting it back into the media system. It's all going from him to the media companies to, for ads and things like that. And then he's kind of part of the media anyway. So he's, he feels like he's just dumping water in a river that's just going in circles. And, you know, it all kind of comes back to him in the end somehow. And I think I heard on the news that he has a staff of like 1,200 who are all like very well paid. So that's a lot of money going to staffing. For yeah. an election. He's probably never going to win. Never going to win. Never going to win. So you think they're going to just roll with Trump again? I, you know, they, they, the thing about Trump, I'm not a Trump fan. I'm not anybody's fan. I don't, I don't like any of them. Uh, so t just to be fair. And I don't like Trump right. because I don't like his personality pre-politics. It has actually n nothing to do with his, his policy. I just think he's an obnoxious asshole. But um uh, the, one of the things that we've learned is that as far as the Democrats are concerned is they can't figure out how to disrupt Trump's game. Um, they've tried to shame him, but you can't shame somebody who has no shame and that doesn't work. And so they're and they're they try to call him out on certain things and it just doesn't seem to, to stick. He just doesn't have the self-awareness to know that he should be embarrassed by something that he said. So he's not embarrassed by it. And so it doesn't work. And so they're trying all these tactics uh, of trying to energize their base by saying, we're going to, we're going to take down Trump. Meanwhile, providing zero uh, pl plans for what they would do if they became presidents, right? I, I, I don't see anything. They're not running on any great policy other than that, that Trump is a jerk and we need some, anybody else, but, but him. So if that's, if they continue with this really ignorant strategy that hasn't been able to work so far, he will steamroll them. And they're going to get what they deserve. And those memes of the people like ah, screaming at the sky, 
there's going to be a whole new batch of them and the people are going to lose their fucking minds when he yeah, wins the second term. <laughs> but that's he's what I was win. saying. I mean, there's going to be even more division and social oh. rest. Like the people are so divided right now. I, I'll look on Facebook for a couple of minutes and my friends that are normally best friends, they're like unfriending each other and blocking each other over this bullshit. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> it also seems as though, um, the people who follow Trump and the people who really support Trump are the the low income bracket, right wing, pro gun kind of uh, class. A lot of middle uh, middle Midwest and um, and Southern, and you know the Southern strategy where they kind of uh, re- they basically recruited the entire South, um, the religious end of the South. Uh, it was called the Southern strategy. Um, basically, they made it seem as though if you don't vote Republican, you're voting against God, right? And so that was a, in the 60s and 70s, that was a, a big strategy that they were using. And I think what we're seeing today is the remnants of that. And uh, the reality is, those aren't the brightest people in the world. And that's who we panders to. And there's lots of them. And that's how he gets all their votes. Yeah. And if they were to actually take a look at Trump's uh, voting and what his actions have been since he's been in office, they would be sorely disappointed that he has thrown the Christian conservative right overboard and gone in and fully embraced Israel. I mean, he might yeah. as well just convert to Judaism at this he's, point. He's been controlled by Israel since the 1980s. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I it mean, shows. Um, Netanyahu stays in Kushner's apartment when he went, or he did when he would come to New York. Yep. I mean, that says it all. It, absolutely. It, yeah. This and, and, is a, re, a relationship that is, that is very deep uh, with a country that has spies all throughout the United States and, and has our um, software industry totally bugged and, co- and, and backdoored. And we are, frankly, to be blunt about it, Israel's bitch. We are. Uh, we're, we're uh, people Israeli, don't understand the uh, relationship that we that we really have with Israel, and I, like I was talking with Corey last night, you say um, one thing about uh, Zionism or anything negative towards that area, you're you're anti-Semite, and then yeah. you're shunned, right. and you can't talk about any of this stuff. But people don't realize what's really going on and how deep the control and infiltration really goes. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. I mean, those are strategies that they openly wrote about at the turn of the century and the 19, mm-hmm. 1910s and 20s and 30s. Um, they are so arrogant that they published their papers that speak of what they're doing and what they're going to do. Everyone should read uh, A Strategy for Israel in the 1980s by Oded Yanan. It basically outlines everything that's going on in the world today, the disruption of the Middle East, infiltration of government, the whole nine yards. Um, and nobody, nobody calls them out on it. Nobody says anything. Uh, and they've been very successful at their propaganda campaigns. Um, yeah. We're launching our new show this week. We're going to be talking about the Zionists and the Holocaust and all the fabrications surrounding the Holocaust, um, which were definitely, you know, there was a board of people who sat down and planned all this stuff in advance. I mean, the, the proposal for the first Holocaust museum, Yad Vashem, um, was suggested at a board meeting in 1942. And that was like, before the uh, height of the alleged Holocaust, before millions died, they were already planning the memorial. So, I mean, that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think it's important for people to, that are new to this topic, because <clears throat> when I first heard the term Zionist, um, 
it had to have been on Jerry Springer. You know, it had to have been some like white supremacist dude running, you know, Zeke Heiling and, and calling, you know, and yelling at Jewish guys and saying, you Zionist, this, that. And I, and I didn't know what that meant, except I knew it was a derogatory term for Jewish people. But then what I learned was that um, what it really means is it's, it's, not, it's not a religion. It's an ideology. It's a political belief. It's like a Democrat, Republican, Zionist, you know. And when, so, you, look at the, um, when you look at the original Zionists, they were anti-Semitic. Um, Theodore Herzl, who was considered the founder of modern Zionism, he uh, attempted to get the Pope to baptize all Jews into Catholicism um, in some big ceremony, and it was rejected by the Pope. But he openly wrote about uh, how he disliked the culture. He disliked, he hated the religion. Zionism is a hijacking of Judaism. And over the last 120 years, they have twisted the world's perception um, on what Judaism actually is. And I feel bad for real Jews. I really yeah. do, because they had their religion stolen from them. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to say, was that there's, there's really three classifications here. Um, there's, a, it, there's a temptation for people that are new to this to just slap a anti-Semitic label on anything having to dis- discuss in Israel or, or anything like this. So let's just clarify. There are Jewish people, there are Israelis, and there are Zionists. You can be all three of those. But you can also be Jewish without being an Israeli, and you can be Jewish without being a Zionist. Most of my friends that I grew up with in Palm Springs, California, I'd say half of my friends were are Jewish. I, you know, that's just that was just normal to me. Actually, it wasn't a big deal because they weren't super religious or, or you know they were just kind of Jewish and they got you know, bar mitzvah. And that was about the extent of it. You know, there wasn't too much to it. So that's how I grew up. That was my relationship to Jewish people and my best friends still to this day, my best friends. Then I, then there's Israelis. And those are the people obviously that live in Israel. And if you're living in Israel, you are Jewish. I think that's kind of the condition of it. Um, Then there are Zionists and you can be a Zionist without being Jewish in who famously said that was Joe Biden just a couple years ago. He says, I'm a Zionist. You don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. So there's that. So when people are criticizing Zionism, it's important for the audience to know what that isn't and what, you know, what that is and what that isn't. It isn't a, um, a criticism of Jewish people necessarily. It's a criticism of this ideology um, that happens to have associations with Jewish people. But like you said, uh, Corey, it, it, it feels like they've been manipulating the Jewish people and using them um, as cover, you know, to operate. And so you, when you, it's just, you know, I just want people to realize that a criticism of Zionism is not necessarily a criticism of Jewish people. So it, it could be, but there's just, different levels of it. And, and everybody is so sensitive these days. Definitely. um, I'm I'm glad you explained that because my, you know, knowing my comment section, it would have been uh, controversial, but you you know, you're a hundred percent right. I couldn't have uh, explained it better. And the crazy part of it is um, this is really the craziest thing. You'll hear Netanyahu talk about the original Israeli tribes and the modern day uh, European Jew is not so is not affiliated with them in any way, shape, or form. They're not from that lineage. The modern European Jew's ancestry is from Turkey. Um, that's and yet they still kind of cling to this race kind of issue. But they're it's not its own unique race. It's just that they're ancestors of of Turkey. 
So that's kind of where that comes from. But they still promote it as though it's their cultural homeland. Well, no, it's not because you're not descendant from those people who lived there. The people who lived there were Middle Eastern and Black. Those were the original Jews, right? So no Jew on the planet today is, who, who is white is ancestored from those ancient tribes. It's, it's fiction anyway. Most of which what they talk about is never happened in the first place. Wow. Now, um, we also had the, of course, tensions with Iran that you don't hear much about anymore. Um, I'm wondering if, you know, if this is going to pick up again, if we're going to start hearing more about uh, tensions with Iran, possibly after the election, um, to kind of mix things up again. What are your thoughts on that? For sure. We'll, we'll hear... We'll hear more about it. It's, it hasn't gone anywhere. They're just coming up with a new strategy. They've got all their spooks throughout the country setting things up. No doubt there'll be some new uh, false flag that will kick off in the future uh, tied to Iran based on intelligence you know, received by multiple sources, they'll say, which will all be tied back to probably Israel um, or Saudi Arabia or both, which doesn't matter. So we'll see some new event uh, concocted. They've got a hard on for Iran. They want it. They're, they're going to get it. They're going to, they're going to start a war with that country. Uh, they're going to make it, not only are they going to start a war, they're going to blame, they're going to make it look like they started, you know, and that we're being dragged into it. This is our MO. This is what we do. We set up false flag terrorism events all around the world, blame it on other countries, countries that aren't doing what we want them to do. We blame it on them, slap sanctions on them if they're lucky. Otherwise, we sanction them and then bomb the shit out of them. And then we go invade them and have all of our military industrial companies come back in and rebuild it with taxpayer money. That's what we do. That's the strategy. And where did, where did we learn the false flag strategy from? Where did from we Israel. Learn that? From Israel, exactly. Menachem <laughs> yeah. Begin. Menachem Begin is the father of modern he's terrorism. A, he's a goddamn terrorist, if you want. I mean, he's obviously dead, but yeah. that dude is a legit gangster. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I just located him in Dealey Plaza. So, oh, really? Yep. Um, so Iran, you have to remember, we, uh, the CIA in, uh, basically overthrew the government in the 1950s, and we controlled Iran through 1979. 1979 is a very interesting year, because in that year, what happened? They threw us out. They kicked us out, right? They, uh, they went back to their traditional ways. And what also happened in 1979 was the creation of the Safari Club, George Bush and um, Ahmed Dalimi and all those guys, um, you know, the CIA, when the CIA got shut down after Watergate, they were in a lot of trouble. So what George Bush do, he formed a CIA within the CIA called the Safari Club. Um, also in 1979 was considered the birth of Islamic terrorism. Kind of coincidental, we get thrown out of Iran and then Iran becomes, or uh, Arabs or Muslims become blamed for all the terrorist acts that went on. And really, you, if, you, if you look at the timelines, it becomes blatantly obvious um, that that was all scripted and manipulated by us. The, the, the ultimate point of everything that I keep coming back to is that we're the bad guys. Like America is the bad guys. We are the empire. Um, and most of the world knows it. Not most Americans. They still think that we're the good guys. And we haven't been the good guys possibly ever. Yeah. I, it's, it, I'm an American. I take no pleasure in confirming that. You know, that's just, I mean, we are the terrorists that we complain about, you know, that we demonize and point to on our TVs. 
you know, those terrorists over there, they're destabilizing, you know, they're doing things that are not right. It's, this is, you know, this is total projection on our part as a country. This is like when you watch Hillary Clinton interviews where she's talking about some other candidate and all the things she's saying are the exact identical crimes that she has committed. She's putting them all on and you just, it's so transparent and you're like, she's so full of shit. I can't even believe these words are coming out of her mouth. That's what we look like to the rest of the world. Yeah. Well, um, specifically what you're talking about, um, her uh, blaming people for things that she does. Uh, basically there was a, in 2016, I believe there was a Carl Rove document that was leaked and it had a strategy. And that was one of the points. It was a 16 point strategy. Uh, and it included things like uh, accuse your opponent of what they're going to accuse you of. Right. Um, uh, spread an adolescent worldview. I mean, there's a whole list of these things. And when you, after you read that and then you watch politicians, it's like they're pulling right from that script. Yep. And, yeah. uh, you know, kind of helping all this along is the increasing censorship that we're seeing, um, you know, especially on social media, YouTube, stuff like that. It's getting harder to get these messages across. Um, I'm like completely shadow banned now. My subscriber count completely stopped. Um, I do use Facebook uh, to get some, you know, news stories every once in a while. Um, I mainly subscribe to news stuff on Facebook and I scroll through and I can't find the same things that I used to. It's getting harder and harder to get information out and share information. And I'm afraid that, you know, by the end of the year, we may even not even have a voice on the Internet at all. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't know. Most of your audience doesn't know this, but I, I built the website, the Forbidden Knowledge News website, and I am in the process of building out everything for you in the website that you could possibly need, like as far as your own YouTube style, your own Twitter, your everything. We're going to build all that stuff. And so at least your audience will have access to your information all the time. That's not going to go anywhere, I promise. That would be awesome. That's how you have to do it. I mean, you you can you have to look at these social media platforms as just gravy, you know, anything you get from them is just a bonus, but you have to build out your own infrastructure um, because, um, because they are out to get us. And I that mean, is not, not our imagination. We've got the metrics to prove it. It's still, you know, it's still online and they could technically still probably shut that down. Um, I mean, how deep do you think they can get as far as, uh, you know, with, with their reaches um, as far as censorship? Well, they can cut off your money supply. They can put pressure on PayPal and Stripe and places like that. If they really, I mean, if you really go Alex Jones on them and, and they want you, they can, they can lean on the ISPs. They can lean on wh whoever hosts your websites and, and tell them to take it down. We've, we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen with the, uh, with the channels before with the uh, Mike, uh, Mike Adams and people like that, just, you know, it takes away their ability to make any money. It's dirty, but I mean, but, but this is the good news and it won't feel like good news, but the good news is that they're doing this because the alternative media is having an impact. Um, they are actually making a difference in reaching people. If you weren't reaching people, they wouldn't give a shit what you were doing and they would leave you alone. But the fact that they are targeting you, they're doing that. They have limited resources and they are using some of their resources to target you guys because you matter. 
that means that the information that you're putting out is more than likely true and painting them in a bad light and they want you to stop talking about it. That is the best validation you can get that you are on the right track. It'll cost you, of course, because they're, they're, you know, they're going to, they're killing your view count and shadow banning you and de-ranking you and all that shit. And, you know, to make your life difficult, which it will, but the moral victory at least is that they wouldn't be doing it if they weren't worried about you. So to, to follow up on that, um, I'm going to say that there is, there is one ray of hope in all of this, and that is Bitcoin. And for those of you out there who laugh at Bitcoin still, don't understand it, they you know, think it's stupid computer money, it is the single most important thing happening on the planet right now. Um, I can't think of anything more important than taking back control of the money supply. And the reason that Bitcoin is so important is because it genuinely isn't controlled by anyone. It's out there. Um, there's upwards of a million people around the world actively mining Bitcoin. You'd have to shut down all of their computers simultaneously in order to take it offline. It's completely decentralized and you can't censor transactions. You can't do any of that stuff. So it's the only form of currency we currently have that really takes away the control of the bankers. And they're not scared of it yet because they're, well, they're arrogant and they're, I don't know how technologically savvy they are. But when you come to understand the technology and how you can apply it in different things, um, it genuinely is the only hope that we have for everything. Uh, any other final uh, thoughts on that, Charlie, before we move on? Well, I'm going to learn um, a little bit more about Bitcoin in the next week. I'll be at uh, Anarcapulco in Acapulco, Mexico, the largest anarchist convention and cryptocurrency convention. So um, there'll be a bunch of smart dudes there talking about crypto. I went last year and spoke and I sat in the audience and just listened to all these guys. It was fascinating. And now I'm going to go again this next week. And I suppose I'll do the same thing because I, I don't know enough about cryptocurrency. I do like the idea of decentralization. I do like the idea of anything that puts a dent in the banker's control. I like, or central banking control in general. Um, so I'm in favor of all of that. I need more of an education on how exactly it all works. Um, but and one uh, thing, I, one thing I to like follow it. up on that with is um, you have like a million of these bullshit cryptos out there that people hawk as the next Bitcoin and they're all junk. Um, people should not be confused uh, between the different coins. There's only one Bitcoin and everything else is a company. Uh, Bitcoin works because Satoshi stepped away. It was, an, it, it was supposed to be, it was anonymous. I know who Satoshi is. Anyone who, who is in the Bitcoin space should know who Satoshi is. But the reality is that he did it in such a manner and he launched it in such a manner that it was perfect. His planning was perfect. All these other guys like Vitalik Buterin who came up with Ethereum and Charlie Lee with Litecoin, their opinions sway the market, right? So their actions have a direct impact on the usage. So you can't have someone attached to it as a head or a company or anything. Um, so really all these guys who are creating these coins, are these are all big scams. So just don't get caught up in the, it's a crypto, so it's gotta be awesome. No, um, any one of them can be shut down, can be forked, have the chains rolled back. None of them have the strength and security that Bitcoin has. And that's why it, it really is the only one anyone should be concerned with. Very good. Uh, now I'd like to talk about the, um, 
the coronavirus scare that we have going on right now. Uh, Charlie, you were telling me in an email that they are threatening to jail in the UK anyone who uh, posts anything against vaccines. And, you know, when you try and look at the the big picture of everything, you step back, uh, a pandemic scare would be a perfect opportunity to push vaccines on people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, It's one of their favorite tactics. Scare the shit out of you. Uh, with some brand new disease and then miraculously have a vaccine for it waiting um, that is available. They rushed it through, uh, but they needed to because it was everybody's lives at stake and, and all this. Look, the vaccine industry is really dirty. Okay. They're, they're, that's an understatement. Pharmaceutical industry is it's no exaggeration to say that they are all convicted criminals. Uh, Every single one of those companies has been found guilty in court of fraud, felonies. Uh, They've all been fined billions and billions of dollars. It's a dirty industry. And the push for vaccination is nothing short of medical fascism. The mandating vaccines for people. This is... this is such a huge deal. This is such a big fucking deal <laughs> that because if you do not have control over your body, the government can stick you with anything that they want and make that mandatory so you can't get your driver's license. We, we cannot allow that to happen. And that is the direction this is headed. And because if that happens, it's over. It's, it is fucking game over at that point. Once they mandate what goes in your body, you have no idea. There's no way to tell what it is. And, um, you know, the vaccine injury court has paid out over $4.2 billion in damages for fucking up kids for the rest of their lives. You know who else has done, has had to do that? The Catholic church. So let's just put those two in the same company because They've both paid out over $4 billion to settle their lawsuits. You won't, you don't do that unless you are really, really guilty. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So this is what we're dealing with. When you see the media talking about pandemics and coronavirus and all this, just understand that the number one advertiser for the mainstream media is the pharmaceutical industry. They get 60% of their revenue from the pharmaceutical industry. These two work together. If you turn on your nightly news thinking you're going to find an honest story about vaccine damaged kids, you're dreaming. It will never happen because the minute somebody at that network puts a story that paints vaccines in a bad light, President of Merck would be in the president of NBC's office the next morning, threatening to pull $2 billion worth of advertising. That's why you'll never hear it. So if you're getting your information about vaccines or pandemics from the mainstream media, you are getting it from the absolute worst possible source. I don't know what is really happening in China. I have no idea. But what I do know is if I'm hearing it from the mainstream media, it's probably bullshit. And that is not my fault for thinking that. That's their fault for getting busted so many times lying to everybody. 
they have no credibility anymore. So when they tell us vaccines are good or that there's a pandemic coming and we've got to take the vaccine, I'm sorry, but they just have no credibility anymore. And there is no chance in hell that I would trust anything they said. Do you have any thoughts on that, Corey? Well, I watched your show last week um, with, uh, I can't remember his name. He talked about the, uh, the coronavirus. Dr. Having, yeah, he talked about it having uh, characteristics of HIV. And when you look at the timeline of when HIV uh, came about and you compare it to what the CIA was doing with their biological weapons programs pre-MKUltra, um, to me, it's pretty damn obvious that they created a, uh, HIV in a lab or AIDS in a lab. And so if this has parts of that, this has to have been some sort of attempt to make some new version of it or something similar. Um, and, uh, and it started in China, right? So we were, uh, the CIA was, in, was amping up the protests there, probably started the protests there. Uh, and then this breaks out there. It's, it's all fits together too perfectly. I'm sorry. The United States of America is behind it. I have no doubts. Um, and I'm not even shocked or appalled or anything anymore. I'm just exhausted trying to keep up with all the horrible shit that we do around the world. Yeah. And, and when you start to hear that, um, um, you know, that the United States is behind this, um, you'll also, you'll find that the CDC will step up and they will start to, um, defend whatever the official position the government wants put out, the CDC will then back them up and, 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 you know, state whatever it is. What we don't realize is that the CDC owns 56 different patents on vaccines. They make $5 billion a year from the sale of vaccines. The CDC is like the Federal Reserve. It's not really a government agency. It's a private company. And they make a lot of money from owning the patents on these vaccines. And they set the vaccination schedule. And they have the authority to do this, which is really scary because they don't disclose to the public that they're a money-making operation and that they're in the business of selling vaccines. So the people that are pushing the schedule telling you everything is fine also benefit financially from it. So just, you know, something, something to think of. You know, I've, I've, I've said this before, you know, I think the solutions that big giant media are hitting us. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for the coronavirus. Take half of us out, please. We need, we deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> now, okay. So that being said, this could go a couple of ways to me. Um, it, they say that it could take up to a year to produce or even longer to produce a vaccine for this. So that means in the meantime, it would have to get bad enough to actually, you know, make them want to force it on people. So that means a lot more people would have to die. And that also brings you to what kind of psychopaths are running the show that just freely kill hundreds of thousands of people just to, you know, get whatever agenda they want. And this has been going on for, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years, these same bloodlines, these same people, these same psychopaths making these same just horrible, disgusting decisions. I mean, you know, when could it ever end? How, how does this cycle get broken? 
Well, one thing I want to comment real quick is that um, when you make something in a lab, if you make uh, a, any kind of like a poison or anything like that in a laboratory, you make the antidote with it, right? You do it at the same time because if something happens in the lab, you need it. So they already have it. I have no doubts they already have it. Um, what kind of person would hold it for a year or tell you and tell you they don't have it? Like, that's the question you, you might want to ask. Yeah, what do you this, is, this, is, this is something that's right up Bill Gates' alley, you know? Um, go watch the videos of Bill Gates at his TED Talk. He talked about uh, if we do a really good job with vaccines, we can take this number that's at about 7.5 7 billion and we can reduce that by 10 to 15%. He's talking about depopulation in his TED talk mm -hmm. to the world. He didn't just go get bombed with his buddy and s say that, you know, in a drunken stupor to his friend. He actually said this in front of a camera that was broadcast to millions of people that if he does a really good job with his vaccines, he could lower the population of the earth by a billion people. You know, That's what he said. Some good too. Google Henry Kissinger's quotes on depopulation. <laughs> this is the type of people that would do this are the type of people that are currently running the world. This is what they do. You know, I thought about that and I thought about positions of power will always attract megalomaniacs and people who want power. Yeah. And same thing in the, in the corporate world, right? It attracts yeah. that ultra type A personality. So I don't really see any kind of solution to that because those type of people will always gravitate towards those positions. So yeah, and I that's, think we're just fucked. Yeah. That's, that's a, <laughs> that's a kind of uh, uh, sad, but true reality. You know, as long as human nature, uh, you know, and I would say human nature is getting worse, you know, but even if human nature just stayed the way it is, there's always going to be a percentage that's psychopathic and they're going to want to prey on the weak and it puts them up in the position of power and they figure out that they can do things and the populate, the people below them sometimes won't react and won't stop them. And then they get emboldened and then they turn into megalomaniacs. And this happens, like you said, what's the point? <laughs> we get rid of all of them. Now there's a new batch that's coming up. You know, I mean, that's just human nature. So I don't know, maybe this is just the war we fight. Um, the, the old good versus evil fight that everybody has to fight, which is uh, decent people versus psychopaths. Those are the two teams. And it's been like this for, you know, the last 20,000 years. And that's why our civilization has been at war for 20,000 years, because this is just what you get when you run this experiment over and over again. You get some people going to the top, trying to control everybody else. And at some point, everybody else takes them out and it starts all over again. <laughs> Maybe that's where we are, the well, end of the cycle. You mentioned Bill Gates. His foundation, I think it was like six weeks ago, did this mock simulation where they released coronavirus and it killed like millions of people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's always like levels of predictive programming with this shit too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, what are the chances that he just happened to be running a simulation that uh, turned out to be true. I mean, where did I see that? Oh yeah, the 7-7 bombing that was happening. Oh, 9-11 that was happening too. It's, it's interesting, huh? Yeah, they just happened to know just a shot in the dark a couple months in advance of uh, running a simulation, simulating the exact same thing that winds up happening. Isn't that interesting? It always seems to go that way. So look, Bill Gates is not to be trusted. His Gates Foundation is a depopulation front. He's partnered with the United Nations. That guy wants you dead. 
he wants you fucking dead. He doesn't even mind if you know it. You know, he's, he's talked about it openly about this. This is, this is a bad dude. They've been thrown out of India. The entire country of India with a billion people told them to get out after they gave 47,500 kids polio with their polio vaccine which is supposed to prevent polio, but it gave them polio. I mean, it, this is what they're doing. And if God forbid you call Bill Gates out for being a psychopathic uh, mass murderer, you know, people would are all up in your grill about it and saying, you know, how dare you say that he's a humanitarian. Look at all the great work the Gates foundation is doing. Like you don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) The Gates foundation is, is, killing people left, right, and center when they're not trafficking children or buying up seed vaults and shit like that. These guys aren't on the, these guys aren't helping you out just because they say they're a charity. doesn't mean they actually are a charity. Bill Gates needs to be investigated in a big fucking way because he's the number one shareholder of Monsanto. He's involved in arms industry. He's involved in the software industry that's working with the CIA and he's involved with vaccines and the depopulation agenda. Dude, this guy is the new David Rockefeller. I'm telling you. And they have access to 90% of the computers in the world. And, and the seed vault in Norway. Yeah. And something else you mentioned is uh, with the pharmaceutical company, almost maybe everyone is on drugs right now, on some kind of drugs, um, you know, at, at least 90% of the population. They can't get by without some sort of pharmaceutical. Uh, most people can't sleep. Uh, if they're depressed, they take a pill. If they're fat, they take a pill. If they're too skinny, they take a pill. There's a pill for everything. And that's always – I think it's caused um, a, a genetic change in humans over the past few years to where we're not even the same human beings that we used to be. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I ate an edible about an hour ago. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so I might not be the right one to talk about this. Well, that, that's diff- – that's, uh, you know, I wouldn't consider that a pharmaceutical. I know, I know, I know. Actually, I, I actually a point could be made that that it's the uh, you know healthy alternative. You know, it's a, well, the pharmaceutical companies have like their version of all street drugs. You know, cocaine is Duroprel, and exactly. uh, amphetamines are uh, Adderall, and there's not a drug out there that well maybe MDMA. I don't know if they have a pharmaceutical version of that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting. We've got our society has become very. Um, very lazy. You know, we want everything instantaneously. We don't, re- we want the reward without having to work for it. So we want to take, to take a pill and just be skinny, you know, and we want to take a pill and not be crazy. Uh, I might take going the skinny pill. I might yeah. take the skinny pill. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, they, they, they prey on our insecurities and they fuck with our heads in advertising. And, you know, in the United States, this is only the United States and New Zealand are the only the two countries in the world that allow pharmaceutical companies to advertise on television. And we get bombarded with this shit and it screws with our head. It, it gets you thinking that you, if you first time you've got something wrong with you, the solution is to just go take a pill and, and get it fixed. And, and if it's something like, you know, psychological that you should be talking to a, another human being about um, and instead you're just taking a pill and you don't even know what, what's in Prozac and you find out that it has, you know, lithium and all kinds of create, you know, fluoride in it that dumbs you down and everything. And you 
like, what the fuck are you, you don't even know what you're taking. So we've got to get away from that. We have got to get, you know, less dependent on these pharmaceutical companies to solve all of our problems. And we have to really take our, some responsibility for our own lives and, and, and do that and be, make healthy choices. And, you know, they're going to keep trying to sell us poisoned food um, as long as we buy it from them. You know, and so some of this stuff we have to vote with our dollars. We have to not get involved in taking pharmaceutical drugs and not buying GMO foods and stuff like that. And not, you know, not supporting these, uh, these monstrous companies out there like Monsanto and Bayer and, you know, the Merck and Pfizer, they're fucking killing us. They're all, they're, they're, these industries are literally working against us. They are trying to kill us. We, our healthcare system is the third leading cause of death in the United States every year. You know, million millions of people die because of that. This is unacceptable, and yet here we are still supporting them like a bunch of fucking moronic slaves without even considering that there are other alternatives besides them. We, you know, it's just it's frustrating. I feel like we there's a lot of people to blame, but we have to take some responsibility for our own actions too, and sort of make some decisions, uh, you know, to not financially support these, these companies. And, and it's very hard to go against the grain for the average person, you know, people who are, sure. are woke and know, and know this stuff. It's very difficult. You know? Yeah, it is. I admit, man, they, they've got us cornered. <laughs> it's become part of our culture, fast yeah. food, fast. Th- I mean, the convenience is part of our American culture here. Yeah. And we're and all guilty of it too. I mean, all, it's like, totally. I can't, you know, I can't, get, I can't scream about globalism and how it screwed up the world as I'm on my iPhone, you know, because <sighs> we're all hypocritical on this because it's like infected us. And we just have to try and be like, less hypocritical you know or or just maybe just more aware of what we're participating in but part part of it is like you can't really blame americans for not knowing what the hell's going really going on we're getting lied to from every angle you know from your the media from schools from television and uh, you know your churches and everything you're getting fucking lied to constantly it's 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 amazing that we know anything <laughs> we had a lot, particularly here in America, we had a lot of trust in the media, um, you know, all through the early 20th century, 30s, 40s, 50s, um, you could get real news, right? But then the OSS comes about in 1941, and over a period of four years, they recruited 40,000 people, including uh, people at all the major news outlets, uh, and then the CIA God, once, they, once the CIA formed in 47, it was done deal. I'd say by the early 1950s, they controlled every media outlet there was. And now all you got to do is look at uh, MSNBC or Fox News, uh, which are basically the same thing. You know, part of disinformation campaigns uh, is to release contradict- information that conflicts with itself, right? That's part of a psychological warfare campaign. And that's exactly what MSNBC and Fox are. They're the conflicting news against each other, right? So... I, I, it's, it's, I watch the news and I feel like my, in the back of my head, it's just like, turn this off, turn this off. You don't want to hear this. You know, like, I don't want to be influenced by, it. I, I barely watch the news at all anymore. Cause n- there's nothing that could happen, uh, short of like the earth crumbling to pieces that would really get me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> I literally just saw a video clip of Sean Hannity and he had on his lapel, he had an American flag and he had a CIA logo pin. No shit. Yeah. What like an actual one? 
and and it was in actually jimmy Dore brought it up on his on one of his videos and he was like they're not i mean it's like it's right there it says cia like as if you didn't already know that's 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 what's happened you know they took over the media and And we can trace the people who did it and when it happened you know all this goes back to bill donovan uh world war ii they don't even you know in the church committee hearings they were asked questions about it they had to you know disclose that they had people they had assets inside all the major news organizations and that was by design i mean this I love is when, operation, uh, operation I love mockingbird he, yeah i love when he says i think that's the question we should answer in executive session exactly Other words, we got people <laughs> everywhere is what he was yeah, saying he's like he's like yeah yeah that video clip is funny he's sort of like we we can't talk about this shit in front of all these people because and other than other than church himself like half the guys up there were in the cia's pocket also and when you go back and you look at these congressional hearings look at iran contra look at uh look at the cocaine in la in the 90s the congressional hearings on them mm-hmm. like porter goss was on the the uh, 1990s congressional hearings overseeing cocaine anybody knows anything about Porter goss he was part of alpha 66 the assassination squad with frank sturgis and those guys and he was directly connected to the cocaine trafficking so to have him on the congressional board as a congressman is like holy shit you know i mean it's almost too in your face it's too insulting to your intelligence but most people don't know this stuff most people never crack a freaking book in their life and it's frustrating it's very frustrating because all the answers to all this stuff is out there you can go pull cia documents which you really can't believe half the time they have two different types of documents, one for the public and one for themselves. Uh, and you can read FBI documents. And you can read, there's so much real documents out there that prove this stuff, but nobody can be bothered because, you know, they got to watch whatever TV show is on tonight. Yep. And it's not only, you know, the news media. I used to enjoy coming home and watching a TV show or watching a movie. And I, I don't even enjoy TV and movies anymore. It's all crap. It's all propaganda. It's all indoctrination um, I mean, Netflix, you scroll through it, it's all like occult and witchcraft. It's like they're trying to push whatever agenda that they feel you need to hear. And it, it, it's all crap. I can't even enjoy my TV anymore. Oh, go ahead, Charlie. Uh, yeah, it's funny because I'm not, I'm not religious one way or the other. I, I'm, I don't care what religion people are. You know, I'm not Christian or anything like that. But what I I am noticing a lot more satanic content that's out there, either music or TV shows or movies, things like that. It is. It seems like it's everywhere, and so and I say that not as like a Christian who's like all oh, this, all these, you know, right. people are satanic. Like that's their go-to insult. I don't mean it as an insult. I mean it like directly. Like Satanism seems to be making a huge rise lately or it's just it seems to be everywhere in all of the occult ritual shit that we see and like the super bowl show and the music videos and the opening ceremonies to the uh, summer olympics in london which was fucking terrifying of all these little kids in beds and this crazy doctor coming to you know grab the children and take them away and you're like what the fuck am i watching here it's like a a mass kidnapping played out for the opening ceremonies and you're like this is terrifying 
I feel like this is everywhere now. I feel like the mass media. It wasn't the Super Bowl like a nod to sex trafficking with yes, kids, they had like kids in cages and things like that. And like, you know, I got to admit, like for years and years, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't go below the surface. I didn't give a shit. I wasn't probably even watching it, to be honest with you. But these halftime shows, I never dug into the meaning of things. It wasn't until I started getting into like Ole Damagard videos when he's pulling out like secret meeting, uh, meanings and all these crime scenes of false flags and everything. I hate that guy. You that hate guy, Ole? That guy's a show. That guy went on Sam Tripoli's show and he spouted, he tried to explain the Kennedy assassination and he spouted every theory that had already been debunked. Like, and that was the thesis of his like new book. Like, very, I, I take Kennedy very personally because the amount of time. Yeah, I know you do. I that know. freaking you, guy. Ooh. You're a, Ken, you you're a crazy. Kennedy savant, man. You're like Rain Man of Kennedy. I've never. Well, the thing with Kennedy is that some of that stuff isn't that hard. If you read the documents, you can see the patterns forming and you can make connections and I've got, I've made at least a dozen connections in Kennedy that no one else has ever made. And I'm like, how the hell did I make these connections and no one else did? Well, because they didn't read the damn books. Yeah, the see, I never, I never dug into Kennedy like, like a lot of people did because I felt like that was a, that was a saturated market. Like I, I felt like th- there is no chance I'm going to get involved in this and discover something that all of these other people didn't, you know? So well, I never lot, even- still more. There's a yeah, lot more chill. But I just never thought that I would be able to bring anything new to that conversation. So I never really focused on it all that much. And but but I find that it is it is the um, it is that intersection where you've got Kennedy and you've got the moon, uh, the moon landing with it all within like a couple year period. Um, that's like just the epicenter of the conspiracy universe, right? Those two events, right? Well, and you've got Kennedy is. talking about going to the moon and then you've got the moon. The two greatest conspiracies of all time, or, or at least in, of our lifetime. That was the beginning of the handoff of our country to Israel because you see, most people don't realize this, but Johnson was the first Jewish Zionist president that we've had. They'll say there wasn't a Jewish president, but when you look at Johnson's family, his upbringing, who, who, you know, what he did growing up, he was a Jewish Zionist. And surrounding him was Jack Valente and Cliff Carter and a whole bunch of guys who were already working for the CIA. And who does the CIA work for? They work for Israel. Um, they, had their man, they had their people in place in the late 1950s. I don't, not necessarily they didn't know Kennedy was going to be president, but they were planning the takeover long before Kennedy was killed. And Dealey Plaza was like this nexus of perfect opportunity um, you know, the mayor of Dallas was a CIA agent. He was the t- one of the top like five guys in the CIA. Um, every, the book depository was a CIA front for shipping uh, guns and drugs. They would get big crates in, big crates out. They, the CIA would use shipping companies to, 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 to move around a lot of things. Um, and so I totally forgot my point, but I'm on a roll here, so I'll keep going. Um, but when you look at um the when when you look at the events of Dealey Plaza and you see who was in Dealey Plaza like this week I found Jack Valente in Dealey Plaza I knew he was there because Jack Valente in five or six different interviews gave five or six different positions in where he was in the motorcade but the official documents say he was on the bus no he was in Dealey Plaza he was there with Louis Bloomfield and he was there with Otto Scorzani the Otto Scorzani Adolf Hitler's bodyguard was in Dealey Plaza and when you look at the people who were in Dealey Plaza it becomes blatantly obvious that that was a controlled scene 
The people who were in Dealey Plaza were put there. They were told to be there. Um, almost every witness there is connected to Jack Ruby or someone else in the, in the immediate area. So um, it's really insane. It's like the Dealey Plaza that day was like the Truman Show. It really was. That's crazy. You're going to have to make like a 10 part documentary series on this, you know, uh, he did, we, we have the two part interviews that are awesome that if anybody hasn't heard those yet, go back and check those out. He breaks down so much about the, uh, the Kennedy assassination, amazing interviews there. I mean, really what it comes down to was uh, it was really about Demona. That was ultimately what it was about because Israel started to build the bomb in the late 1950s. Uh, by the 19, by early 1960, we knew about it. The CIA was actually helping them, but Kennedy didn't, Kennedy found out about it in 1960 from documents from the CIA because it couldn't be contained because it was coming out through other governments. And then you have FARA, the Foreign Agents Registration Act. And we, they were petitioned to uh, register the American Zionist Council for 20 freaking years. And they kept evading. They never filled it out. And they kept doing this illegal uh, lobbying for Israel. But Kennedy dies. And overnight, all those problems go away. Demona goes away. Far goes away, and then Numec happens. You know, like Kennedy got assassinated over the weekend of November 22nd on a Friday. Uh, the following Monday, there was a shipment out of Numec to Israel for the Demona nuclear plant. I mean, they stole 600 and something pounds of um, uranium from Apollo, Pennsylvania to use in the reactors at Demona. And people connected to Numec, the funding, are directly connected to Central Mondial Commercial, who was the branch of Permindex that. Uh, Lewis Bloomfield ran and financed the Kennedy assassination through. So all these, and then all the companies that CMC and Permindex were invested in, all of them were connected to Demona. Every last one of them. One of them was called um, Freeport Sulphur. And Freeport Sulphur, you know, was it was a front because basically what they were doing was they were um, they were trying to get natural resources out of Cuba. But the guy who was mentioned in the Kennedy documents. Um, was a guy named White, W-I-G-H-T. Well, it turns out that White was actually George White, who ran the MK Ultra program and was connected to Jean-Pierre Lafitte, who was the Grassy Knoll assassin. Um, he was connected to Oswald. He was connected to Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby worked for George White in the 1940s, and he also worked for Nixon in the 50s. Um, so it, it, the, 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 the nexus of the Kennedy assassination, really, it all goes back to Demona and the, and the illegal uh, nuclear program because they'd never signed the nuclear anti-proliferation treaty ever um but yet everyone knows it nobody does a thing about it because they have taken over half the governments in the world they genuinely have there will not be peace on planet earth until israel is dismantled and given back to the palestinians well that's what i'd like to get your thoughts on in closing it the system, it just seems way too big to fail. It seems like they have too much control. Uh, is it like you said, Corey, do we just need a huge cataclysm that's going to wipe everybody out? Is that the <laughs> only way out of this? I mean, it, well, it, right now to... it seems that way, but what do you think? Well, I think that if you, if you read the writings of Graham Hancock, and Graham Hancock is a um, – he basically has theories that there was uh, – ancient civilizations thousands of years ago. I mean, the Sphinx has water erosion on it. There hasn't been water or rain in the, in the deserts of Egypt in like 30,000 years or something like that. But he says that at one point, the Ice Age eliminated the vast majority of human species down to possibly only like a couple hundred people. 
And so we obviously sprang back from that and we're doing okay. So I don't think that it's really a bad idea. I mean, obviously, I don't want to be a dick and be like, hey, everybody listening needs to die, right? No, but we are, we don't, we don't live within our um, ecosystem and contribute to it like everything else. You know, yeah. we are outside of our ecosystem, which is extremely weird and unique. Yeah, it's like we were, almost like we were put here. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. Don't, we don't live in harmony with nature. We destroy nature. We're like a virus, just like uh, you know, just Agent like, Smith said in the Matrix. You know, and I and I put that in my book as in one of the quotes that 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 is unfortunately how we behave, and that that's going to require um, an enlightenment. You know, globally, and I'm not talking about climate change and all that stuff, all these contrived things. I'm talking about we just we need to do a better job of living within our means and not being disrespectful to this planet. It's just a beautiful, amazing place to live, and we treat it with such utter contempt. It's embarrassing, and the, what we do to uh, to animals and things like that is is a is an embarrassing footnote to humanity and we need to sort of get a get a grip on ourselves you know and start behaving a little bit better um but we won't as long as we're controlled by these 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 lunatics that's what i was going to say i mean it's not necessarily us that is doing all this damage it's the no no no. It's, it's the system it's the system that we're we're operating in and they're the ones that have created this system so it's it's we're we're part of the problem we're not we're not the problem the problem is the way they've drawn up this current system this banking uh petrodollar system of petroleum based products and and you know all all of this shit that we're forced to this paradigm we're forced to live in right now um contributes to just destroying this planet and the the truth of the matter is we don't have to live like this you know we can live a totally different way there's, you know, we, there's free energy technology out there. You've seen cars that can run on water. All this stuff gets suppressed by big business. What it comes down to is that our entire world is being controlled by psychopathic people running multinational companies and they are destroying this planet. That's why we have Monsanto's and that's why we have Lockheed Martin's and companies like this. These are embarrassments and stains on humanity. Uh, disguised as consumerism, you know, and capitalism and all this stuff. Well, there's a, there should be a limit to it. We don't need to, you know, just in the interest of chasing money, we have to allow there to be genetically modified foods. Like what the fuck is wrong with us? Like get it. We'd need to get these guys and throw them out of this planet. This is, we don't want this. We don't, we, we didn't sign up for this genetically modified foods. Why? What was wrong with the food that we had before? You guys screwed it up because you wanted to sell more pesticides. You guys screwed it up because you wanted to sell your own seeds instead of natural seeds that you couldn't patent. Like, this is, you guys are killing us and we're allowing you and we're paying for it. What are we, what are we doing? You know, this is, this is kind of goes back to a little bit of my, my point about, being aware of this is the first step towards doing something about it. First, now you, now we're all aware of this. Now the next step is we can withhold our money or we can withhold our attention or our eyeballs or our clicks or whatever from it and just get it out of our 
consciousness and just let it die off, you know? Um, Before we get out of here, I want to to take one second and I want to do a screen share so I can show the audience um, what I did the last couple weeks. So here we go. Screen share. Oh, you guys talk for a second because it'll take me a minute to set this up. Okay. Now, I think one thing that everyone can do, uh, the littlest thing, is if this resonates with you, share it. Uh, talk about it with someone else, you know, share this information, get someone else angry about the system and maybe someone else will share it and they'll keep sharing it. And eventually maybe we'll all stand up and do something about it. Um, I think the first start is to, to get the information out there and to share it. Yeah. And let's, as Americans, most, a lot of us watching are Americans. Um, we should be ashamed of ourselves for our protesting skills. Look at, look at Europe. Those guys know how to protest, man. They're not messing around. Right, right. They've, been, they've been going at it in Paris for the last over a year. They're still going. the police and firemen fight the, the, the other The police day? were fighting the firemen. This is huh. madness. That's how you do it, man. I'm so impressed with them. People always give the French a hard time and say, oh, if it wasn't for us, you'd be speaking German. Dude, they know how to riot. <laughs> they are out there. Firemen are fighting the police. It is it is fantastic. I mean, I, it's, I, wish they, I wish they didn't need to riot. But if you are going to riot, to have the firemen fighting the police is about the most symbolic thing that could possibly happen to show that like, hey, guess what? Our society is totally fucked up. We've gotten to the point where the firemen are fighting the police. Congratulations. We suck at a society. You're going to get a start <laughs> over. <laughs> well, in order for us to do that, we'd have to turn off the uh, football game and drop the donut, you know. That's true, and that's just asking too much. There we go. Is that right. it? That's it right there. Jack Valenti, Louis Bloomfield, Nato Scorzani. I'm telling you, every person, they were all there. All the conspirators were there. I got pictures of Ted Shackley, uh, George Joannidis. Um, they were all there. Rain Man's got his uh, Kennedy on tonight. Yeah, man. I, I, it's amazing how you remember all that stuff. Yeah, man, it just sticks because it all you have to remember. It has it's all one big puzzle, right? I'm still missing a couple pieces. I'm still looking. Uh, the next thing I'm going to tackle really is the, um, the the Galveston trip that David Ferry allegedly took that he didn't take. He never actually went on that trip. He went and hid out in um, a place called Hammond in Louisiana with a guy named Thomas Compton. But there's also he went to Alexandria. Now Alexandria, there's a hotel that Jim Garrison went to and interviewed the people there. So obviously that hotel is connected. But right up the road from the hotel is an airfield that he used to store a plane. So he, David Ferry was probably flying around somewhere, um, but that is still on my agenda to tackle. But it's very important because he helped some of the shooters get out. He helped some of the shooters get out of there for sure. Basically about 10 to 12 people left from Dallas to go to Galveston and Houston um, right after the assassination. So they were all basically helping assassins get out of town. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, we, when you when you finish your um, your research, we're gonna have to have you back on again. Oh, I'll finish it when I'm like seventy. I'm sure there's so much to know. Because <laughs> like, here's here's another thing most people don't realize. So Jack Ruby had a uh, waitress named Nancy Perrin Rich who worked you know worked for Jack Ruby as a bartender. Um, uh, I don't know if she was one of his strippers, but he tried to get all the girls who worked there to strip. And so she ended up marrying a guy. Uh, God, I can't remember his name. But uh, long story short. 
he was the one he was the one responsible for stealing the promis software which went on to become the base layer for all the stuff the nsa is doing and mm-hmm. israel is doing she was yeah. basically an israeli agent the whole time working for jack ruby so Jesus. Jack, jack ruby's <laughs> connections to the Mossad are so overwhelming uh, mostly through Meyer Lansky, who was the boss of the entire mafia from 1931 till his death, pretty much. Most people think that the mafia was run by Italians, and it was, but they were Jewish Italians. They took over the mob in 1931 with the assassination of Sal Maranzano. The, the, the Sicilians, they only ran the mob for 10 years, from 21 to 31. That's it. Um, and it was the Jewish mafia that ran the mafia um, up until the 1980s. So, little tidbit there. Awesome research. And uh, do either of you have any final thoughts before we uh, sign off tonight that uh, you can leave the people with? Oh, good Lord. Um, Go coronavirus, go. (laughs) (laughs) You're going uh, full uh, Prince Philip, huh? (laughs) Well, I would just say uh, be very careful of, of, um, you know, of, of who to, who you trust on your television and, and online. Um, double check all the stuff we're talking about. We talk about some crazy things and threw out a lot of names and numbers and all this stuff. Don't take our word for it. Go check, check it out for yourself. Get good at researching things and not just taking it at face value from people. And um, there's just a lot more to be discovered. And if this is stuff if these are topics that interest you, get involved, you know, dig around, see what you can find, look into some things. You might be the person that cracks the case on something, you know, it's, we sort of need to take an active role in this because God forbid, you're not going to get real information uh, on the nightly news. So you're just getting, you're just going to get lies. So, um, you know, take some initiative and go try and get out there and figure out what the truth is. Well said. Uh, any other thoughts, Corey, before we sign off? No, there are a lot of great places to get documents. Um, avoid the Mary Farrell forums at all costs. Uh, Mary Farrell documents, she was a gatekeeper. But uh, the National Archives online, archive.org, has amazing documents. Um, I get a ton of my documents from a company called Scribed. Uh, Scribed, I, I subscribe to them for like eight bucks a month and they've got everything. They have so many documents on every subject matter and you can submit your own documents also. Um, there'll be a link down in the show notes for you to go check it out. I highly recommend that everybody sign up at Scribe because that's probably the best place uh, to get documents from. Uh, plus they got audiobooks and all kinds of other good stuff. Um, but uh, no, uh, we're all doomed and enjoy the time we have left. Thank you everybody. well thank you so much uh great fascinating fantastic information guys uh we'll have you back on soon and you guys have an excellent night thanks you too thank you guys at american university we don't just hope for change we create it we don't just dream of a better world we make it a reality with a graduate degree from au You'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, 
you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.